And we welcome you to the Thursday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. It's very exciting, as always, to have Nan Calvert back with us for her monthly visit to the program. And once again, we're going to be exploring the wonderful and amazingly varied world of plants. Uh, and we're going to be doing so with a very, very special guest that we will uh, introduce uh, right now. Her name is Mary Ann Feist, and she is curator of the Wisconsin State Herbarium. So first of all, we will be finding out from her what a herbarium is. That in and of itself is a really kind of interesting thing. And we'll find out about all that is housed at the Wisconsin State Herbarium. And we'll also find out about her work as president of the Botanical Club of Wisconsin. So first of all, Nan Calvert, we welcome you to the morning show and our special guest, Mary Ann Feist. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here as always. Good to have you here. And Mary Ann Feist, good to have you with us as well. Yes, thanks for having me. So Nan Calvert, uh, it doesn't seem like a surprise to me that, uh, <laughs> that you would know uh, somebody like Mary Ann Feist, uh, who has so much to do with the world of plants that I know is really important to you. Uh, how do you know each other or what is your connection to her? Well, we've never met in person. Um, I know her, of her, shall I say, uh, through a couple of different things. One of them is the Botanical Club of Wisconsin, um, which is why I invited her to come on because we, we haven't talked about that very much at all over our radio history. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, but then I, I happily discovered that Marianne is also the curator of the Wisconsin State Herbarium, uh, which is very important to me and a lot of other native plant people for so very many reasons to verify what exactly uh, the species of the plant that we may be looking at or if it is indeed native to Wisconsin or uh, if this is something that you've never seen before, is it invasive and you know, how is it affecting the environment and so very many reasons. So we, it's a, it's a twofer today, Greg. That's hmm. what we have. We have a twofer. So it's very exciting. Yeah, it's very good. So Marianne Feist, I, I would normally probably not know what a herbarium is, except mm -hmm. that uh, sometime within the last year, I got to interview the author of a wonderful book, about Emily Dickinson and specifically Emily Dickinson's love of gardening. I wish I could remember the name of that book. It's absolutely wonderful and it talks about all of the gardening that she did and it includes some pages of from uh, Emily Dickinson's own private herbarium and that's the first time I think I ever really learned what that term is and of course that's one kind of herbarium and what you are curator of is something on a, a much more vast scale, of course. But, uh, but, but first of all, let's let's make sure people understand what we mean by the term herbarium and kind of the wide range of possibilities that that there are. Uh, so first, what is a herbarium? Okay. Well, an herbarium is basically a collection of dried, dead plant specimens, um, and so. And these can be like regular plants, or they could be mosses, lichens, fungi. Um, they can all be part of an herbarium. And so, um, in the case of the va the vascular plants, um, they're pressed and they're dried, and then they're glued to sheets. 
Um, and then a very important component of the specimen is the specimen label, which tells um, everything about that plant, like where it was collected, when it was collected, who collected it, what kind of habitat it was growing in. Um, it might even say like what types of other plants it was growing with. Um, so that information is a very important part of the herbarium specimen and the herbarium. So, yeah, it's basically just a large collection of specimens that, in our case, have been collected from all over the world. I mean, we specialize in Wisconsin specimens, but we have from other parts of the United States um, and other parts of the world um, as well. So, in the case of this uh, Emily Dickinson herbarium, this is this is something that she just had in her own home and would I, I called mm -hmm. it a, a private herbarium for want of a better term uh, yeah. and, but but it was it was basically I think maybe a, a, a couple of different volumes and so it looked like a book but on the pages mm -hmm. are these dried specimens are, is mm -hmm. that what we're sort of talking about with the Wisconsin State herbarium but just on a much larger scale or are these housed in a sense in a little different way than something like that would be? Yeah, so um, they're, they're no longer like collected um, or kept in books, I would say. Um, they're individual sheets or they might be individual packets, like almost like envelopes that contain um, specimens. So particularly with like the mosses, the lichen and fungi, likely in what we, we refer to as packets, which are basically just envelopes that have um, the specimen in them. Um, so, but it was very common um, back in the day, like 1800s, early 1900s, where an individual would have their own private collection and they would keep, um, keep it in a book like that. Um, and we do have quite a few of these um, in the herbarium those kind of separate as um, just kind of special collections. Uh, so most of our collections are now just on these sheets or packets kept in cabinets um, and kept in like bin boxes in these airtight metal cabinets that are throughout the herbarium. Hmm. By the way, as you were describing the Wisconsin State Herbarium, you made reference to vascular plants. Can you clarify what that means when we're talking about vascular plants? Is Are there other kinds of plants that are not vascular? I mean, what does that term really do? Yeah, so vascular is just basically um, what most people would think of as plants. Um, so grasses, flowers, trees. Um, so they basically have a vascular system which helps them to take up water and nutrients. Um, whereas something like a moss or a lichen doesn't have that. So, um, so really it's just distinguishing between uh, lichens and then and the fungi and then like um, trees and shrubs and grasses and flowers. Um, those are the vascular plants. So how many different kinds of vascular plants are we talking about that are contained in the Wisconsin State Herbarium? Well, um, we have about um, 
Altogether in the herbarium, we have about 1.3 million specimens. So, and most of those are the vascular plants. I think it's probably about 1, 1, 100,000 of the vascular plants. And then the mosses, um, we have almost 50,000 lichens, about 150,000 microfungi, it's about 100,000. <clears> and then we have a small collection of algae as well, which is about 3,000. So um, altogether, almost 1.4 million specimens in our herbarium. <laughs> wow. A lot. <laughs> wow. Is the herbarium something that is accessible to basically anybody with an interest, or is this something uh, where one needs to have certain professional credentials in order to gain entrance and, and have access to uh, what is housed in your collection? Um, we're, we're open to the public. Well, of course not right now, but um, normally we are open um, like Monday through Friday, a nine to five. Um, when, if someone comes into the herbarium or if someone wants to visit the herbarium, you know, we to let us know ahead of time. So we can be available to um, help them. It's not like a museum where there's exhibits and things like that. Um, it's more geared towards research. But like if um, if someone did want to come in, if they collected some plants like in their pasture and they wanted to know what they were, um, they would be welcome to come in, and um, we could help them with ID or. They can use the herbarium to help them to figure out what those things were. Um, so yeah, we're open. Um, with just but we we need to have some notice, and also we like to when a person comes in, we want to give them a little training on how to use the herbarium. So. Yeah. For those of you just joining us, today is the monthly visit of Nan Calvert to The Morning Show, and she has arranged for this visit with uh, Marianne Feist who is curator of the Wisconsin State Herbarium and uh, also president of the Botanical Club of Wisconsin, which we'll talk about in, in just a little while. Um, Marianne Feist, I, I visited the herbarium's website and I was just amazed at everything that was there and in particular, the detailed information about the meticulous and I should think maybe even laborious process by which a given specimen of a plant is pressed and dried and preserved and mounted and labeled and so on uh yeah. i mean it is it, there's there's nothing uh simple or quick i should think about this this process take our listeners kind of inside the process what's involved in a given specimen being uh, added to the wisconsin state herbarium okay um well it all starts out in the field where the plants are. Um, so it starts with just a little either digging or cutting of the plant itself. Um, so yeah, so I, I study a, a certain uh, group of plants um, called the biscuit roots, which they, they actually occur more out west. But um, so if I'm gonna be collecting this plant specimen, the first thing I would do was just dig it out of the ground and um, I always like to dig it 
uh, instead of cutting it off because the roots can actually be very important as well for identification and such. So it's important to have a complete specimen. Um, and then I would put that immediately into what we call a field press. So we would have sheets of newspaper and we would put the plant into the sheets of newspaper and then we um, would press it between cardboard and then kind of tie that up and then take that with us throughout the day. Uh, we come back, we put it into what we call a drying press, which is layers of cardboard and, um, and what we call blotters. And we stack up many, many plants between the cardboard, put them into this press, tie it up very tightly, and then we put it into a drying oven. So, and then it stays in the drying oven for about three days to dry it out completely. And then when we take them out, then you have nice flattened <laughs> plant specimens um, that are now nice and dry. Um, and now these can be glued onto the sheets of mounting paper. And we actually just use your regular old Elmer's glue. Um, and we just put glue onto the specimen and then we put it onto the sheet. And we have these sandbags that we put on top of the specimen and we let them dry overnight. Um, and usually we have a lot of undergraduate students that we employ in the herbarium. And so they're primarily responsible. We also have volunteers um, that come to the herbarium and so help us with the mounting. Um, and then once the specimen has been glued to the sheet and then is dried to the sheet, um, oh, we, and we also will put the label on there as well. So the label, as I mentioned before, has all the information about what the plant is, where it was collected, who collected it, that type of thing. Um, so that is also glued onto the sheet. Um, and then um, the next step is we put a barcode on every single specimen. So a barcode is just a unique identifier. Uh, so every specimen in the herbarium has its own unique number, which helps us to keep track of it. Um, and then we also try to, now we, we try to image or take a photo of every single specimen before we put it into the um, herbarium so we can put that on our website, um, which we can talk about later, uh, the online floor of Wisconsin. And um, yeah, then we just, then it's just a matter of filing that specimen away into the cabinets and uh, making it available to anyone who might want to look at it in the future. Is there basically one of everything in the herbarium? I don't mean everything, but I mean, the main point in my question is, is there one of a given species of whatever, or is there a point in having more than one specimen? Yes. Um, so we do, we do have like one, we have multiple specimens of the species that we have. So yeah, there is a point in having, um, there is a point in having multiple, multiple specimens. Um, because like, for example, for the Wisconsin flora, we have, we try to actually have a specimen, at least one specimen from every county that um, a plant occurs in, in Wisconsin. 
so we can have a complete idea of the distribution of that plant throughout the state. Um, we also try to have multiple uh, specimens of each species because there's a lot of variability between plants. You know, some are taller, some are smaller. The leaf size might change if it grew in the shade or if it grew in the sun. So there's a lot of variation and we want to try to capture that variation. Um, <clears throat> and um, we do try to have, we do have like at least one specimen of like each known species from Wisconsin at this time, at least as far as we know, we're always finding more new um, plant, plant species in Wisconsin even. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, in terms of the drying process, explain why it's important to dry these plants and why it's important to do that in a very careful, specific way. Yeah, so mostly it's because of mold, um, but also because of insects. Um, so if a specimen is not dried properly and it's glued to a sheet, um, then and we put it into this cabinet, uh, it's just going to get moldy and like not <laughs> not uh, stay very nice. Uh, also, there are um, when we collect the plants, sometimes there are still insects on those plants, um, and then there's also insects that might that like to eat plants that might get to them later. Um, so if they're nice, they're in the drying oven. That'll that will kill the insects that were on there originally. Um, and then it will make it less attractive to other insects that might want to eat it. So it's all for preservation purposes. On your website, I thought one of the most interesting points there is, as this process is described, is uh, a point made about the process of the mounting and the fact that you want to mount things in such a way that, if at all possible, will reveal as much of the plant as possible, for instance, both sides of the leaves and that that kind of thing. Uh, tell us more about that and and uh, about how how tricky that process is to accomplish, especially with with certain species. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's 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 is very important, and that's something when we're training students. It's something that we have to go over, you know again and again. We tell them when you put the specimen, we always tell them to put the specimen on the sheet before you put any glue on it and lay it out, you know, make sure it fits, um, take a look, make sure that you're not hiding the flowers or you're not hiding the fruits, um, that you have one leaf up, at least one leaf up and one leaf down so you can see um, both sides. Um, and yeah, it can be difficult. I mean, sometimes uh, specimens are just too big to fit on the sheet. Um, in that case, we have to actually um, sometimes cut them and put them onto two different sheets. Um, so it, that is a possibility of separating them onto two different sheets um, if we need to. Uh, sometimes we'll also put things in bags or boxes, like additional fruits or um, like a cactus. We might just put a piece of a cactus in a box instead of on a sheet. So we have different ways to accommodate like the really kind of strangely shaped things that just um, are going to be more three-dimensional and not 
be able to um, be put on a sheet. So yeah. Marianne, I wanted to ask you quickly um, about your background. How how did you come to be the curator of our marvelous herbarium? Uh, what was your sort of trajectory in life? Did you always love plants, or how, how did you how did you come to be immersed in the world of botany? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I did always love plants, but it was kind of a long and windy road. Um, so I, uh, I didn't study botany or really any type of science initially. When I was an undergrad, I studied East Asian studies, um, and I uh, majored in like Chinese uh, history and um, spent some time overseas uh, after college in Hong Kong and Taiwan. Um, so, but to make a long story short, um, and it wasn't until um, I was in my late 20s that um, I decided to actually go back to school. I already had a bachelor's, but I decided to go back to school and to study um, biology. And then I took a botany class at that point, and I really liked it. Um, so then at that point, I decided to. Um, go into botany. And um, one of my professors, by the I was working on a second undergrad degree. One of my professors kind of noticed I was a little older. And so he said, oh, you don't need to get a second bachelor's. You could just go right into a master's. So then I kind of switched and um, went into a, a botanical research lab and so started doing that. So yeah, so it was kind of a, not a direct path. Um, then I, I worked in Illinois as a, um, a field botanist. Uh, I did a lot of like wet, wetland delineations for the state of Illinois. Um, and so kind of did that into my 40s. <laughs> and then I decided that, um, and then I went back to school again um, to work on my doctorate um, because um, while I was doing that, I was at the University of Illinois and I became exposed to the herbarium there. And um, I just really enjoyed uh, working in the herbarium. I had started just going into the herbarium to kind of help me with plant identification for my field botany work. And then I just decided I really liked the herbarium environment and what they were doing there. So then I decided to go back to school again to study more like taxonomy um, and that sort of systematics of plants and um, yeah, so then I went back to school again uh, with the expressed purpose of trying to get a job as a herbarium curator. Um, and then after I graduated from that, then yeah, I got the job here in Wisconsin. So I know that, uh, you know, over the years, certainly in the not too distant past, uh, the herbaria in our state have gone through um, sort of a conglomeration, if you will. Um, can you talk about that a little bit and, you know, um, how is, ha has it affected collections or, or any of that sort of thing? Yeah, so um, our herbarium is the largest herbarium in the state and we're referred to as the Wisconsin State Herbarium. And we have um, been over the years um, taking in smaller herbaria from other schools and institutions, um, also private collections from people um, both in Wisconsin and around the world. Um, so 
I think it's just, it's more a matter of funding. A lot of the smaller institutions, they just don't have the funding anymore to keep up a collection. They can't afford to hire the personnel that's needed to keep up that collection. Um, everybody, you know, space is always at a premium, so they don't have the space to do that. Uh, so they end up looking for somewhere that, the, of course, they don't want this collection to be lost. So they will end up looking for someone that can help them out and take over this collection. And so we have been doing that um, over the years and have acquired um, yeah, quite a few different collections from around the state and um, also um, other, not just not just around Wisconsin, but some other states and even other collections. Like we, just a few years ago, we required a really large collection of lichens, like 60,000 lichens from a private collector in Germany. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, could you, for the people who don't know, could you talk a little bit about lichens and what they are? And uh, I, I, I didn't realize that there were 60,000 different kinds of lichens, but that's fascinating. Yeah, so lichens, um, they're, there's an organism that is, it's a symbiotic organism between algae and fungi. So, um, and it's basically, the ones you're probably most familiar with, or you might see them growing on the sides of trees, so the greens, kind of scaly stuff on the side of trees, or even on like tombstones, things like that. Um, and yeah, there's there's many, many different kinds. Some are those like green ones that you'll see on the sides of rocks or trees. Others are just little black dots that you'll see on rocks or maybe twigs. Um, but yeah, they're a, a symbiotic um, organism with fungi and lichens, or fungi and algae. And they come in a wide variety of colors. Yes, they do. Um, yeah, we actually have a volunteer that works for us in the herbarium. Um, that she gets very excited. She's been going, helping us specifically with the lichen collection. And she'll get very excited and um, she'll always be bringing us one. She'll be like, oh, I found a pink one today or I found a yellow one. And, um, and one night, one time she had this just really gorgeous blue, blue one. So yeah, they're not always green and they're not always black. There's, there could be um, a number of different colors. You know, when you, when you think about the vast number of just vascular plants that exist on Earth, um, you know for certain that there are plant species that we haven't discovered yet. And yeah. I'm, wa I'm wondering if in our lovely state of Wisconsin, is there a possibility of plant species that we have yet to, to catalog and study? Um, I, it's possible. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, it's it's funny because yeah I guess I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure that um, there's a species of plant in Wisconsin that hasn't been described. I would say, uh, well I shouldn't say that because I would say if mosses and lichens I would say almost certainly there probably are um, vascular plants. I'm not as certain, but it's it's possible. Um, I. The group of plants that I work with out west, I'm actually in the process of describing actually a number of species right now. We have about probably five different species um, that I'm working on, like brand new to science. Um, but those are from like Oregon, California, 
So in the, in the United States, definitely yes, still possible. Um, and yeah, probably someday in Wisconsin as well. <laughs> so are there specimens then in the Wisconsin State Herbarium of plants that for all intents and purposes are extinct, that have vanished from the wild and only exist as preserved specimens? Um, yeah, I would say that there probably are. I can't think of like a specific example, but I would say that there is a good possibility. Um, I mean, it's even a possibility that there are specimens that are of a species that hasn't been described yet that may be extinct um, by now, that may have been collected a long time ago, but never actually described as a new species. So. So yeah, I would say that's a possibility. For those of you just joining us, uh, this is Nan Calvert's visit to the morning show, monthly visit, and uh, the special guest she has arranged for us is Marianne Feist, who is curator of the Wisconsin State Herbarium. So Marianne Feist, um, somebody like Nan Calvert, who is particularly interested in native plants and eradicating uh uh, invasive species. What is a place like the Wisconsin State Herbarium valuable? How How is a place like that valuable for somebody like Nan and others who uh, have this burning concern? Um, so I guess the herbarium is, um, as far as identification, um, as a tool for helping to identify uh, native plants um, to identify like invasive species, we can definitely help that. Um, also, one thing with our website that I mentioned, the online floor of Wisconsin, um, you can go on there, you could search a name of a species. Um, so let's say like garlic mustard, um, a very common invasive plant that um, a lot of people know about. You can, you can go onto our website, you can of like all the locations of that in the state, like with little dots. Um, and you can also see like uh, how, it's, how it's spread throughout the state. Um, and you could see like maybe where it isn't yet. So you might wanna try to protect those areas more. Um, so we're kind of more just providing information about and distribution and that sort of thing. Um, not so much like how to get rid of things, but kind of where it is and how it's come into the state and how it's spreading that kind of information. Hmm. How common are herbariums in general? And I mean, what, what sorts of institutions tend to have them? And does every state have a comprehensive central herbarium such as Wisconsin? Uh, or is this something a bit out of the ordinary as far as you know? Well, yeah, so I think most uh, large institutions, universities have an herbarium. There are herbaria in every state. Uh, there's not necessarily a central herbarium in every state. Maybe like three or four kind of in different parts of the state, but not one that kind of calls itself like, like we are the Wisconsin State Herbarium. Um, I think that is a little un, 
unusual to have like ones uh, I mean we have we actually have many herbaria in Wisconsin we are definitely not the only one um, we're the largest one um, and arguably the oldest one but um, yeah so but yeah it's very common and then there's in addition to universities and colleges having herbaria there's also private institutions um, such as like the New York Botanical Garden um, and the Missouri Botanical Garden, um, they also have herbaria. And they actually have like the largest herbaria in the country. New York Botanical Garden has over 7 million specimens and the Missouri Botanical Garden has about 5 million. So, yeah. Uh, for what you, for the species you have in your herbarium, uh, is the hope or intention or likelihood that they are preserved forever? Uh, I mean, if we, if we were in a position to come back 150 years from now, would they look as they do now? Yeah, so 150 years, yeah, I would say, sure, <laughs> they will. Um, they, you know, barring like some nat natural disaster, but um, I mean, we have... We have specimens, I think like our oldest specimens are from probably about the 1830s. Uh, they do lose some of their color over time. So the leaves may not be as green and the flowers may fade from yellow to just kind of a dull white or something. Um, but the integrity of the specimen is still there for sure. So yeah, yeah, we trying to keep them nice as long as possible. Very good. Again, for those of you just joining us, uh, our special guest, uh, Fernand Calvert and me, is Marianne Feist, curator of the Wisconsin State Herbarium. And if that didn't keep you uh, busy enough, your duties as curator, uh, you are also president of the Botanical Club of Wisconsin, which is actually the initial reason why Nan Calvert <laughs> sought you out as a morning show guest. So yeah. we should make sure that we spend at least a little bit of time uh, talking about that. I know the organization was founded back in 1968. Uh, tell us more about it. Yeah, so, um, you know, I don't, I've, I've just lived in Wisconsin for about six years now, so I don't know a lot about the history of the club from back in like the 60s and 70s. Uh, I can speak more to it like within the last, um, you know, 10 years or so. Um, so the, the Botanical Club of Wisconsin is, um, has members from throughout the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we currently now have just over 100 um, members. And our mission really is just to bring together people that have an interest in the native flora of Wisconsin and to um, kind of foster that um, enthusiasm about plants and about the flora of Wisconsin and to bring people together for like um, educational uh, like talks, uh, seminars, um, also getting out in the field, doing field trips. Uh, we have these things we call botany blitzes that we do a couple a year. Um, we also have an event, the botanical foray, which I can talk more about, which is kind of a group, is a is a collaboration actually between the herbarium and the botanical and um yeah so 
just to bring plant enthusiasts together and to kind of give them some activities, learning opportunities um, for them. So, yeah. I, I noticed uh, the, the, the matter of it serving both amateur and professional botanists, and I think that's such a I think that's such a great part of your mission because, of course, uh, there are both. And, and I should think that, you know, they're not at all mutually exclusive. But could you just talk a moment about those two missions of the Botanical Club and, and how they work in concert with each other? Um, yeah, so we do have in, in the club and even in our leadership, we do have a mix of professional and amateur botanists um, and yeah and and I yeah amateur botanists but sometimes the so-called amateur botanists are like no more than the professionals like they're very enthusiastic very knowledgeable um, and yeah just um, some really incredible people that they might be yeah I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what to say. So I, I wanted to quickly ask uh, Marianne uh, or have you talk a little bit about um, the WISP Flora website because that's a website I use with alarming regularity and also I, I do the plant of the day every day which I find very educational and very entertaining so if you could talk about those uh, that would be lovely. For example you know who decides what species is the plant of the day and and all that sort of thing. Okay. And how do you keep track? <laughs> yeah. So the plant of the day is actually just totally randomly generated. So um, yeah, it's like it's not it's not anyone making a decision. It's just kind of randomly generated. Each each plant has is has oh. a and then that number just comes up in some random order. <laughs> so um, but yeah, the Wisconsin the <laughs> website. Um, for those people that haven't seen it, um, it, it has um, photographs and descriptions of every plant species that occurs in Wisconsin. It also has links to actual herbarium specimens and images of actual herbarium specimens. Um, it has distribution maps both at the county level and also at the level of collection. So there's a Google map that will open and there'll be a point for each collection. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of information on there, and I, um, and it's meant to be a tool for people to um, help them to identify plants, and also just help them to kind of understand the distribution of plants throughout the state and that sort of things. Yeah, if if there are listeners who haven't used the Wisflora website, I would encourage you to to check it out. It's uh, a really wonderful tool. Uh, in the effort to identify plants, you do have to know the name of the plant that you're looking for, though, or that you have to be able to type in a name, either a common name or a botanical name, in order to bring up specimens that you can see, whether it's a pressing or it's a, a photograph. And the photographs are really wonderful. I mean, they're done right out in the field, and uh, so you get a, a snapshot in time of what that plant looked like. But if you haven't been to it, I, I definitely would encourage you to go to just Google Wisflora and it will come up and you can click on it and have lots of fun on the website like I do. Hmm. So Marianne Feist, what uh, would be your assessment of how 
the state of Wisconsin and uh, and maybe the upper Midwest in general, but particularly Wisconsin, how are we doing in terms of taking care of our plants? Uh, are our plants uh, under distress? Do we have a lot of plants that are threatened uh, or just struggling or for one reason or another, most likely because of things that we are doing as human beings? Uh, what would be your assessment? Um, I think that um, Wisconsin DNR is is doing a lot of work uh, in that area. Um, and I, I know you had my friend Kevin Doyle, the rare plant botanist on recently, and he is doing a lot of work in that area. Um, I think that, I mean, definitely plants are definitely under stress. Um, in the state, in any state, um, and a lot of natural areas have been set aside to protect um, plants. And Wisconsin, I think, has a really great um, area program, and we have many over 600 um, state natural areas throughout the state. You know, and the DNR does, you know, everything they can on those properties with the resources that they have to protect the plants and the rare plants. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Wisconsin's doing a pretty good job um, yeah, in that area, sure. Glad to hear it. Nan, anything else you want to uh, ask our guest in our last couple of minutes? Well, I, I just wanted to quickly mention, uh, Marianne was talking about um, how specimens are collected for the herbaria. Um, and most people know this already, but if you're out in a state natural area or on private land that you have permission to hike, please, please don't dig up the plants. <laughs> um, it, it's really important because we do have quite a number of rare and endangered threatened species. Um, just take a picture. Everybody's got a phone with generally what are really good cameras. So just take a picture if you're not certain what it is. Uh, someone can help you identify it. Only collect plant specimens if you have permission to do so. And again, most everyone knows that, but you know, sometimes you, it gets the better of you and you reach down and pick something and you go, oh my gosh, look at this. So <laughs> try to yeah, resist the urge. And to that there, um, if you go to the website, there is an email address there and you can send photos to that email address and we can help you with that identification. <clears throat> Wonderful. Well, uh, uh, Marianne Feist, it has been really fun to uh, meet you today and to uh, get to know you and to find out about the really important work that is uh, ongoing uh, at the Wisconsin State Herbarium. And I assume that even through this uh, nastiness of COVID-19 that, uh, that the operations there have continued, maybe under somewhat different circumstances, but the work goes on, right? Yeah, definitely. Very good. Marianne Feist, curator of the Wisconsin State Herbarium and president of the Botanical Club of Wisconsin. We really appreciate you joining us today on the morning show to talk about all of your important work, and we wish you well. All right, thank you. Really Thanks, good, to, good to have you here. Nan Calvert, I know you have a couple of uh, closing thoughts and announcements for us. I do, yes, indeed. Uh, of course, we've mentioned uh, all of you know the changes that we've all had to figure out how to operate within due to COVID-19 and our nature centers are no different. Uh, just 
some updates for you. Riverbend uh, is uh, closed in terms of their building and their bathrooms, but the trails are open and you can rent kayaks and canoes. All you have to do is call ahead to arrange for the rental and the time that you can come and pick them up. Just go to the website and it will point you in the right direction. Pringle Nature Center, trails are open, buildings are closed. Racine Dominican Eco Justice Center, the grounds continue to remain closed for all visitors. All of the staff are working from home and they can be reached by phone or email. Hawthorne Hollow has now reopened after closing its gates for the first time in its 52 year history. All the programs and events were canceled, of course, but they're slowly and selectively being reintroduced. So to stay up to date with what's going on, just go to the Hawthorne Hollow website and you'll be able to figure out what's happening um, and how to um, support Hawthorne Hollow. And please just remember, all of our environmental education venues have taken a huge hit this year. No school programs, no public programs, no festivals. Uh, so please consider a donation for um, a, a membership or an extra contribution if you're already a member. Um, see what they need from their wish list. You can, they're usually published in the paper or on their website. Um, it's really um, essential for us to support them, even though we can't necessarily take part in all the wonderful things that they have to offer. And that is it for me, anyway. Very good. And that reminder is especially important because, because we can't maybe visit some of these places or enjoy the surfaces and resources we normally do. It's very easy to, for, for some of these places to be out of sight and out of mind, and we need to right. be remembering them right now. Exactly. Absolutely right. Very good. Nan Calvert, thank you so much for uh, today's program, and thank you again for inviting Marianne Feist to join us today on The Morning Show, and we will see you in July. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. It was my I'm, pleasure, as always. I'm Gregory Berg.